uh, part five of a series called Risk of Art. I did three of them probably a couple of months or more back and uh, had a pretty good response on that. I thought, well, you know, I read on this topic a lot. I think about it a lot. I, you know, produce art and uh, I wanted to continue to do a couple more, you know, to get you to share some more thoughts on it. Uh, give you a quick life on the verge. Well, let me tell you what we're going to get into this time. We're going to get into some of the mind traps that keep us from shipping our art. And I'll explain more about that in a minute, too. I've talked about it before. But just real quick, uh, Life on the Verge update. We are, thank all of you that support us financially, that pray for us. Man, we're in the throes of it. We're less than a week out before we hit the road. And it is utter chaos uh, getting things ready. We're actually going to be packing all of our gear up, taking it up to our church, and having a pro sound guy help us tweak everything out and you know get it set to, and get some photographs of all the settings that we can take into the prisons and just get a baseline to start with. We're getting the camper prepped and getting the house, getting ready to shut it down for months and uh, pack up the camper for months. So it is crazy, and we appreciate your prayers. Uh, but I really felt like this is this is part of what God's called me to do is this podcast. So I'm going to try to keep it up to date. I will let you know next week I may be out of sync. I got a whole lot of craziness going on next week, and I may be two weeks before I get another one out. But anyway, the risk of art part five. Um, oh, I do want to say also pray for our friend. Tony and Marianne Loeffler and their team of folks that just finished some outstanding ministry down in the panhandle of Florida. There was a couple of, uh, I think, minor injuries did require someone to go to the hospital. A couple of people tripped and fell. A piece of equipment got damaged. So keep them in your prayers. If you know who they are, um, you can search International Solid Rock online. Tony Loeffler, L-O-E-F-F-L-E-R, if the Lord puts it on your heart to help them out. Uh, that would be awesome. They are uh, our mentors and heroes, and we so love and appreciate them and all the folks they work with, our dear friends. Um, Want to talk about, uh, yeah, the risk of art. And in this episode, some of the traps that we fall into, but let's just talk about what art is. Here's a way that I define art. It's any creative endeavor that connects the created things, things that God made, in a new or different way in the service of others. So it's not just music and writing and sculpture and painting, those we traditionally think of as art, but think about like the art of the deal. It can be business, it can be sports, it can just be new ways, inventing creative new ways uh, to help other people out, to serve other people. And for us as believers, we obviously bring glory to God uh, when maybe our idea is celebrated. We, def- we, we appreciate that, but we deflect glory to God in whatever way that we can. Um, and, and key phrase there is service to others. Art is an act of generosity. That's what it should be. It's an act of giving our ideas to others in hopes of helping them, in hopes of maybe solving a problem. You know, our ministry, we say we, we seek to entertain, edify, and evangelize. Now, you know, we want, we love when unbelievers come to our events, and the only thing they may get out of it, the only way that we serve them, they may walk in not believing in God, and they may walk out not believing in God. As a matter of fact, we had one guy last year who came in and said, I just came to listen to some, listen to some music, but now I have some questions, because we do a lot of speaking between songs and, and sharing the Word of God, but we also seek to entertain you know, and we feel like, well, if the only 
problem that we can solve is to lift a little bit of depression from someone and cause them to tap their feet and clap their hands uh, and maybe plant some seeds of the gospel, of course. But if we can just for a moment help these guys to take a load off, take their mind off where they're at just for a couple of hours, then, then that's our act of service. That's us presenting our art as a form of generosity. Um, and art seeks to solve a problem. <clears throat> you know, consider... You know, the DJ maybe you listen to on your way to work on your commute, you know, um, that DJ is just trying to make your, your drive better. That's the problem he or she is, is trying to solve. Uh, think about the person that it was an artistic, creative endeavor to say, hey, let's knock a hole in the side of the restaurant and start su- serving food out a window. You know, people ridiculed the idea of a drive through at a restaurant. They ridiculed that. I th- thought it was ridiculous. There's some comments uh, somewhere, some quotes that people actually made, like no one's going to want to eat in their car and get their food in their car. Look, thank God that this guy solved the problem. You know, sometimes we're in a hurry. We don't have time to sit down and, you know, eat in the restaurant. We just want to get our food and run. So think about the my pillow guy, for crying out loud. Love him or hate him. He came up with a great idea. You know, he, he engineered a new way to make a different style of pillow, and it's been tremendously successful. That was his art. Another thing about art is that art is an act of courage. It takes a certain level of boldness to ship your art. Shipping means to put your ideas out there for public feedback. You see, it doesn't really make a difference until you put it out there. Um, Seth Godin is one of my favorite authors on, on these ideas. He's a marketing guru, and he used the phrase shipping. first I ever heard use it. It may have been used before, but... He talks about that fact that art really isn't art until you ship it, until you get it out there. And <clears throat> this can be tough because maybe your art will be celebrated. Your idea will be, you know, celebrated or maybe it'll be ridiculed. But either way, we can grow when we start shipping our art. We can learn from the feedback, whether it's positive or negative, and we get better. You know, I recorded an album in my house of songs called Allergic to Blue. And it had like 10 songs on it. And I, I think I shared this maybe in the last podcast. And it was mediocre at best. And I played it for my friend. I think I shared this in, in the last episode now that I'm thinking about it. My friend Mark Mark DeCiccio, who I love. I, I know he doesn't listen to this, but maybe some folks that know him listen. Uh, fantastic. One of the best drummers, maybe the best drummer I've ever played with. I mean, just intense. Man, he is on the beat. He is a killer musician and he listened to my album allergic to blue and he said hey you shouldn't put this out there (laughs) because he's a drummer and we use drum machines and it wasn't that creative but if we hadn't done that we wouldn't have been motivated to later go into a studio and actually do it right and so he hasn't heard the new version. I think he'll appreciate it a lot more. We used a real drummer. My point is, is that we can learn or grow from feedback, but you don't get feedback unless you ship it. And sometimes that negative feedback is the best kind of feedback if it's not coming from somebody that's just envious and got a bad attitude. But somebody that loves you, that is in it for you, uh, gives you creative feedback, and says, hey, man, you know, and I love Marco. That was such great feedback. You know, I knew what he meant. I was like, we got to do this right one day. And so we even took Allergic to Blue. We took, we had that on Spotify and all the streaming. So I took that down, man, because we recorded the songs right and did it right. So, so feedback can be, negative feedback 
can be a great, great teacher. Um, and when you get that negative feedback, you'll be faced with the question. Seth Godin uses this. He says, do I care enough to do it again? Even when people say, man, this, this sucks. Eh, you know, they try to be nice, but it's not that great. You put it out there. And uh, the fact is, is that when you get that negative feedback, are you willing to swing that bat again? Do you care enough? I like the set. Seth's not even a believer, I don't think. But we as believers, we should care about others, and that's why we should be creating the art, is to say, you know what? I'm going to try again. I'm going to keep putting it out there, and maybe something's going to help somebody solve a problem. Um, so five mind traps that keep us from getting our art out there, from shipping our art. Here's, a, here's number one is the perfection trap. You know, sometimes art is absolute chaos, and I like order. Maybe you do too. But art can be, any creative endeavor can be chaotic. I love this proverb, Proverb 14.4 says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. In other words, if you've got ox and you're getting it done, your manger is going to be dirty. You know, I love when my studio is perfectly in order. Right now, it looks like a bomb went off in here because I'm working. There's an ox in the manger. Things are dirty and abundant crops are going to come. And so chaos, we don't like it. We've got to learn to work in spite of it sometimes. And uh, that really great it goes against the grain of those that maybe have a little bit of perfectionism in us. And the fact is that art does not have to be perfect to be effective, but it must be authentic. Perfectionism and sloth are like two ditches on the side of the road. And what we're really striving for is excellence. That means to excel above the, the expectations of other, our own expectation. It means to excel above what I did last time, to get better, to be the best that I can be. But we can fall either into sloth on one side of that road, be lazy, or we can fall into perfectionism, which is where you know I struggle sometimes, and I got to back up and say it doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be authentic. And I cannot think of a better example of a tremendously effective ministry that was anything but perfect. And that was my friend uh, Don Overby and his wife, Rhea. Don has gone to be with the Lord. But someone posted this week, um, they posted some pictures from an event that we did at Daytona Bike Week. Uh, and man, I looked at all the different people that I have met uh, at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, Daytona, a couple of other biker rallies, one down in Galveston, because of Don and Rhea Overby. Now, what the, they have a ministry called Music for the Soul. I think Rhea is still running it, adjusting to the loss of Don. Um, but Don would drive his, his bus and all of his equipment. I, I know I've talked about Don before, but bear with me. Uh, he, he would drive this bus with all the sound equipment. He would arrange for a stage. He would organize you know, everything on the ground for musicians to come in and play Christian blues and for Christian biker clubs to work with the bands to you know, do ministry at these big bike rallies. Now, I'm coming out of megachurch world where every I is dotted, every T is crossed, the sound is got to has got to be pristine, the service order, everything's down to the minute. 
Don, for a great example, is, <coughs> you know, he would put up these cardboard signs that's that were with a big marker or paint or something that just says free CDs, you know, and put it on the sides of the stage. Now, these were akin to the, the signs that you see these folks in the intersections holding out, you know, uh, need money, homeless, whatever, that they stand there and beg. That's what these signs look like. Now, I'm a graphic guy. I do a little bit of graphic work, and I'm, I'm thinking right out of the gate, man, we can make better signs. You know, for a few bucks, we can order these nice banners. <coughs> the fact is, is that my, me and a couple of other folks suggested to Don about ways to do things a little, you know, edgier, a little more up-to-date, and he was like, Jesus didn't tell me to do it that way. He just would take whatever he had and, you know, the sound equipment was pretty decent. It wasn't always perfect because the musicians were always changing. It was anything but perfect. Sometimes it was terrifying. Sometimes it was good. The fact is, it wasn't perfect, but it was effective. I now have probably dozens of friends that are, quote, musicianaries around the world, really, that I would not know if Don and Rhea hadn't been faithful to ship their art, their idea to go out to these bike rallies and set up <coughs> a stage. Excuse me. I got a dehumidifier humidifier in this room because of my guitars, and it is killing me. I apologize. Uh, nevertheless, uh, and I know some of you that listen, you're my musicianary friends, and you know Don and Rhea. But it's a classic example of a ministry or art that wasn't perfect, but it was effective, very effective. So don't get caught in that perfection trap. Try to excel. Try to make it the best that you can make it and then ship it and let people be critical of it, good and bad, so that you can grow. If maybe performing live music is an example, you know, I've shared that before in the last podcast. Get out there and crash and burn. Learn and grow. It's never going to be perfect but it can always be excellent. We can go above and beyond what we did last time. Another trap is the uncertainty trap. Most of us, if we're honest, we want all the answers up front. We want certainty. We want to know how it's going to turn out. We want guarantees that our creative endeavor is worth it and it's going to be successful. Uh, but here's the thing. If you've did the hard yards and created the best work that you can create in the season you're in with what you have, it will be successful for you regardless because you can grow from your failure, from that negative criticism. You've got to kind of think, you know, I've been, I watched the series 1883, which there's some coarse language, it, it, it but, I mean, I don't know if you can watch a Sam Elliott movie and, or show and not hear a little bit of coarse language. He does it so eloquently. But uh, but it's a series on Paramount, I think. And it's a setup if you've watched Yellowstone. I've watched a couple of those. I haven't really got into that so much yet and don't know if I will. But I watched the first episode. They gave it to you free of this show, 1883. Yellowstone is about this massive ranch, this rancher cattleman that owns hundreds and hundreds of acres in Montana and he's fighting off the developers and he's fighting off the you know the the uh, Native Americans who want to take some of their land back and he's fighting the government who wants to declare it public lands and all this stuff so that's what the drama's about well 1883 goes back to his 
ancestors who left Texas, or actually left Tennessee, and made their way uh, as pioneers, uh, part of the Oregon Trail and all that. They make their way into Montana and lay the first claim to this land that later becomes what Yellowstone is based on. It's about pioneers. And here's the point, and, and it's there's it, though it's not based on an actual story, it's based on factual um, events, you know, and, and ideas, and it's very authentic in that regard. That there were thousands of people that were pioneers that they climbed aboard these wagon trains and their horses, and they made their way into the wilderness across the deserts and the snow, and they faced the wild uh, animals, they faced the storms, they faced uncertainty. And, and I just looked at that and I said, well, you know, artists are pioneers and that's what we're doing. We're trying to do something a little different and push our idea out there. And it may get attacked by a wild animal. Uh, it, it, you know, there, there may be hostile forces that come against us, um, but we'll never settle the land. We'll never land in the place that God wants us to if we don't take those steps and force our way into that wilderness right in, in spite of uncertainty. So don't fall into the uncertainty trap. Just step out, take the first step. And it's amazing for us as believers. I heard someone use the escalator as an example this week uh, about how you step on an escalator and you, you can step on one step and the escalator will do all the rest of the work and take you up to the next level or down if you're going in the wrong direction. Um, and, and for us as believers, I believe that that's, that's what God just wants us to take the first step sometimes. And then the, he gets behind us. The wind comes under our wings and he lifts us in his time. So don't fall into the uncertainty trap. Take that step. Be the pioneer with your art. Then the insecurity trap is the third one. Insecurity is trying to be that person you think everyone else expects you to be. It's living a life on defense, always striving not to disappoint other people. The fact is, we want to be liked. We want to be celebrated. We don't like to be ridiculed. But here's the thing. When it comes to art, some people are going to hate what you create. Plain and simple. <coughs> Sorry. I think about Bob Dylan. Some people cannot stand, you know, some people cannot stand the Beatles. Can you imagine? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've never been a massive fan. You know, I mean, they got, I, I won't deny it, tremendous art and the difference they've made, but I, I just haven't been, you know, and, and I don't hate them, but there's some people that just despise the Beatles. They despise Bob Dylan, but thank God they shipped their art. Look at the difference that it made. Uh, art makes a difference, right? Art makes waves, okay? And so you can't make waves by standing still in the water, or, or worse yet, just floating along with the flow. You're going to have to make waves. You're going to have to, you're going to do it different. And it may be uh, that some people really don't like it, and that rages against our insecurity. Our security, first and foremost, should be in the Lord, in the confidence that He's already declared who we are. So we don't have to measure up to everybody else's standard. And so we have to take those risks and put our, you know, insecurity out there, like, I'm going to do this anyway. And it may be a colossal failure, but again, we learn from those failures. I've made a note here to think about new Coke. Look at that difference they tried to make by coming out with a new formula for those that are old enough to remember that. What a colossal failure. They learned. 
they learn. You know, then I look at somebody like Aaron Lewis. You may not know who he is, but he was the lead singer for a band called Stained, and they were kind of grunge, I guess, maybe alt-rock back in maybe the 90s, early 2000s. Well, recently, he switched over to straight-up country. I mean, a complete turn and uh, changed the way that he sings with country twang. And the dude is from Massachusetts. He's not from Nashville or somewhere down in Texas. But he's been very successful at it. And he's doing almost a more traditional country, not this new funky rock country stuff, right? He's doing more of a traditional country. And it's really good. And a lot of people love it. But a lot of people don't. So, you know, that we've got to be secure and we've got to kind of find our audience. I'll talk about that in a minute, too. Another trap is the hero trap. Um, trying to reach everybody, be everybody's answer, everybody's hero. The fact is, <clears throat> you need a target audience. I know that our music is probably not going to reach a ton of younger people that are in their teens, in their 20s, and and uh, maybe a few in their 30s will appreciate a song or two. But I know that my target audience is closer to at least 40 and up. You know, it's classic rock, it's blues, it's that style of music. And so I've got to focus on that target audience and and not fall into, well, I've got to be the hero for everybody. I've got to reach it, everybody. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> I mean, you you... We can't be the hero for everyone. We shouldn't even try to be the hero. Rather, we should try to be more like the old sage that's coming alongside others, helping them be the hero in the story. Think about Yoda and Luke Skywalker, right? Even though Yoda is like the hero, really, he's trying to make Luke the hero. And so when it comes to our art, let's think about this, uh, this uh, podcast, for example. It's a creative endeavor. It's art and I'm shipping it to you. I don't want to be the hero in your story. I want to champion you and help you be the hero. I want to hear about how you stepped up and you shipped your art and that I just got to be a part of encouraging you to do that. And <clears throat> this applies to you know any kind of art that we create. We're trying to help other people succeed, stand on the shoulders of our efforts, and they become the hero. Something so crazy, I, this thought just crossed my mind. I, I got this picture of a bunch of Bubba's sitting around a Walmart parking lot in their jacked-up trucks, and all of a sudden, Sweet Home Alabama comes on the radio or somebody turns it on, and they just crank that song up. Suddenly, <laughs> I can imagine all these... Get these rednecks, their chest just pokes out like, yeah, yeah. And they're the hero in that moment because Leonard Skinner wrote a song and shipped it called Sweet Home Alabama, but it's causing them to be the hero in the in the story as, as these guys vibe together. Weird thought, but think about it. You know, as you create art, you're trying to solve a problem and help other people become the hero in the story. And then the last one I'll talk about is the comparison trap. Comparing our art to someone else's can cause us to think less of ourselves or too much of ourselves. We can look at someone, you know, I, I think about, you know, when you go online nowadays, it's like, uh, you know, I, I follow a lot of guitar streams on like Instagram and stuff like that, channels or whatever, and I look at videos and all, and you talk about intimidating you know, I'm sitting here looking at some dude that's like 17 years old, and he is screaming up and down the neck, and it, and it can make you go, why try? That's so dangerous. The fact is, 
that God has put in me certain ideas, a combination of certain things, puzzle pieces, just like my fingerprints. Nobody has that but me. Nobody has my DNA but me. And nobody can create my art but me. Nobody can create your art but you. And so don't get intimidated because someone else is like way out of the stratosphere. It's more about, am I being the best that I can be with what God has given me? Am I doing the best that I can do to ship this art out there? And, and you know, it may be, I mean, God, God controls the miracles for those of us that have submitted our lives to him. And, and even, <clears throat> yeah, I, it's uh, John Acuff that talks about miracles and how we don't control the miracles. And uh, he talks about, um, can't think of the, the writer's name, but that song God gave you me to you or something like that, uh, that uh, Blake Shelton put out and how Blake discovered that song randomly on some random station in a car that he rented and heard it, you know, and, and decided to produce it. I look at my son, for example, who put two songs on the internet, the right people heard it. And the next thing you know, he signed to a record contract. Now he's got one platinum, one gold record. He's making a great living, uh, doing what he loves to do, man, God controlled that miracle, right? That's great. I, and I can look at even my son and go, wow, I've worked at this my whole life and, and you know, I haven't had even close to that kind of success. Why even try, you know? No, 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 no. I wrote a song years ago that was really from a personal struggle. It, it was as authentic of a song as I've ever written. It was a song called Wash My Robes. I recorded it in my basement studio just to acoustic guitar, and then I was playing with a band at the time, and uh, this was all the way back in probably 98 or something like that, and then we recorded it in a church basement, the best recording we could make, kind of a heavy, slow, heavy metal ballady type song, and that song had a tremendous impact on a, on a couple of people that I know of you know, that have commented on that song for years down the road. Um, and then then there's a song that I wrote um, called J-E-S-U-S. I was, ser- I was serving on a worship team at a church. I was still a police officer. And uh, one, one Wednesday be- or Tuesday before band practice, I was like, man, we need a new song, you know. I'm, we're singing the same old songs. And I just sat down on my guitar and out popped this simple little song. And kind of cheesy song, to be honest. It was fitting for youth groups back in the early 90s. Um, And we picked it up and started doing it. We did it for a while, and and, uh, then I moved on to become a youth pastor, and that song kind of fell by the wayside. Well, I met this wonderful family that travels full-time doing children's uh, ministry, putting on these Nickelodeon-style children's events full-time. They live in RVs. They've kind of been our heroes through the years as far as RV travel and ministry. And... uh, I thought to myself, I said, you know, that song might be fitting for 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 kids' worship, you know, and I I pitched it to to my friend Sam, who was you know part of that family. They picked that song up, and for a solid ten years at least, that was like the coup de gras of the music time for their ministry. They tried to take it off the playlist, and the people demanded it back. They, they ministered to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of kids with that song. They sold maybe thousands of CDs with that song. 
You know, I, did I get great worldwide acclaim for that or wash my robes, who, to my knowledge, only ministered to a few people? The point is, is that the, that's not the point. Did I reach the masses? The point is, I just put my art out there and let God do what he wants with it. And, and now I can, you know, when I feel so inclined, even with our last album, I did a little bit of promotional stuff and we got some airplay on some radio stations and all. Um, well, internet radio stations, I suppose. But worldwide, some places in Europe played our music and all. And that's cool. But it didn't really snag enough for me to go, yeah, I'm going to invest a lot more money in the promotion of this. I don't feel inclined to do that yet. Uh, but my point is, is that I can't fall into the comparison trap. This person has this much success and I've only had this much. Success is shipping your art. You know, I think about the two albums that Susan and I recorded uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, I guess we did them probably within two or three years of each other. Still Moving Targets and um, Speak Easy. Uh, those, both of those we did with the name The Plunders. You know, that's kind of our band name, I guess. And uh, and I was listening to some of those songs the other day because I can be really, I can get really busy and be like, okay, I'm tired of that. Let's write some new stuff and not take a moment to kind of celebrate what we did do. And as, as I was listening to them, I thought, man, that's, that's, a, that's, that's our deposit in the planet. Maybe one day it'll minister to more people. It'll touch more people. But the point is, is that we, we, we did something, and we shipped it, and we put it out there. It's on all the streaming services. Even after I'm dead and gone to glory, it's there for my children. Hey, this this these were songs that your mom and I wrote, and we shipped, and we did the best we could, and we put them out there for public consumption, you know? And so I can't fall into that comparison trap or any of these traps. I've got to ship my art, my creative ideas. We are sons and daughters of a creator. We are all creative in different ways. You know, it could be a podcast. It could be a blog. It could be a business idea. It could be a new way to coach football. It could be music and other forms of what we call traditional arts. Point is, I want to champion you to ship your art. Create your art and take the risk and ship it. Beware of these traps. I hope to be back next week, but I might not make it, so stay tuned. It could be two weeks. By then, I hope we'll be in Florida and at our base beginning our prison tour. Bless you. Have a great week. Sometimes fallen angels fly. I want to remind you that we're a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. You can hear more of our music at theplunders.com or on any streaming service.